how do we create an event that is more than a golf tournament? How do we take the Honda Classic, which is a good event with a loyal sponsor, but how do we make it better? How do we take it from 40,000 spectators raising $400,000 a year to this past year raising $5.1 million for charity with 200 plus thousand spectators? Excited to have Ken Kennerly on the Fit Team Show today to learn a little bit more about you and uh, for you to share your story with our audience. Chris, great to be here, pal. Thanks for having me on on board. Awesome. So we're gonna we're gonna get what we do is we kind of jump way back. We start early, a little bit about you know your childhood. And for those that don't know, um, you know you've been in the sports marketing industry for a long time. But we'll, we're gonna jump back into you know your childhood and start there and early early years. <laughs> Well, it's it, you know it's an interesting. Uh, I'm, I'll be 55 years old here shortly, and it's uh, it's been a, it's been a nice run. Um, you know, you know, similar to what you're you're building a great business, and you know that's kind of what I endeavored back in the mid 80s. Uh, grew up in New York City, family's all from the South, um, Augusta, Georgia. My mom was from, and Virginia and the Carolinas, and you know my brother and I were born in New York. Uh, so they can call us the Confederate Yankees uh, oh. in our in our crazy family. But, you know, it's been a great run. Born and bred in Manhattan. Went to grammar school down the street from the Guggenheim Museum. Literally born and bred. Uh, went to high school up in Connecticut at a nice school, uh, prep school up there. And then went to school up at Dartmouth College up in Hanover, New Hampshire. And learned to uh, live in the cold weather. Um, now I'm down here in South Florida, of course. But, you know, it's uh, I got out of school, Chris, in the, in the mid-'80s. Um, all my buddies, frankly, in the mid-'80s, as people know, they're all going into Wall Street. It was all about investment banking or you're going to medical school or becoming a lawyer. And, and I wanted to do something different. I mean, I was an athlete uh, growing up. I, I had some business acumen. And, you know, it was, it was a, an industry that I really pursued. It was an industry that I knew was growing. Um, you know, this sports marketing world really got started by Mark McCormick, the founder of IMG, in 1962. And then Donald Dell in 69 and then, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, I knew back then if I could parlay my interest and my hobby of sport into business, I mean, gosh, what a, what a great opportunity, right? So it was something that I, I endeavored to do. Uh, as I mentioned, all my buddies were going on to Wall Street and other, you know, big-time jobs. And, you know, I was this, this kid out of school trying to pursue a dream. And, um, you know, it, again, it was a dream that I knew was growing. Uh, I had to convince a lot of people that I thought I knew what I was, you know, what I was doing at the time. But, you know, look at the explosiveness of sport over the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Right. It, it, it's been an enormous, enormous world. And, you know, the advertising industry is a, you know, multi-billion dollar industry. But sport is right there with it because sport is a vehicle for a company like yourselves, like Fit Team, mm -hmm. Fit Team Palm Beaches Marathon. Mm -hmm. You utilize sport to deliver a message. And that's what advertising is all about. So it really dovetails very closely with uh, advertising, with promotion, with getting your brand out there. So uh, it, it was of phenomenal interest to me. And, you know, I got started in the mid-'80s as an intern, really. It's been been quite a run. Before we jump in your internships, you obviously said you play a lot of sports. What sports were your favorite? What did you, what did you see yourself doing regularly? Well, uh, you know, growing up in New York City, we had a lot of sidewalks. We didn't have too much grass. Uh, but we did have a place called Central Park. So I, I played a lot of baseball. Uh, played a lot of soccer uh, growing up. Uh, honestly, didn't pick up a golf club until I, I was in high school, and, until I went to prep school. So it was really soccer and baseball. I threw a football around. Lacrosse really hadn't gotten started yet, but it was the outdoor sports. I was an active kid and, um, you know, played on, on fields that had glass instead of grass, uh, literally in Central Park. And, um, 
you know, that's kind of what I did. And my dad was a, you know, an old timer. He got out of Columbia at uh, 37 when Columbia won the Rose Bowl. So I had an older father, and you know, but he was a big sportsman as well. So yeah, all team sports for me growing up. What was your favorite? Um, you know, I, I love baseball. I love soccer. I think if I had to pick one of the two, it was soccer. Uh, I went on to play in college uh, for for a year in soccer, and then switched over to rugby. But, you know, it's a team sport, and team sports are hard to duplicate in today's world. And, you know, I think you can bring the whole mentality of team sport into business. And, you know, it's wonderful. But at the same right, too, I played tennis growing up, and then I started playing golf uh, in high school. And, you know, to have the team sport atmosphere and the team sport competitiveness along with an individual sport where really you're relying on your own self, and if you fail, it's because of you. You know, it, it's nice to have two of those, uh, two of those opportunities growing up. So how was it playing soccer and rugby in college? Must have been a, yeah. Well, it was great. Um, you know, the, the reason I went from soccer to, to rugby, I was recruited for soccer and, and mm -hmm. baseball too, but I focused on soccer. And then, um, and then like uh, some people do in college, you get a little bit out of shape, and, and I switched over to the rugby side, uh, mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun. I was a small wing forward in rugby, but uh, really enjoyed the camaraderie. Uh, again, team sport, people had a lot of fun. Uh, we had a, you know, just a great time on the sidelines, a great time when we had road trips to different – different schools and you know I'll, I'll never give up those days I mean they were great memories I, I think if I had to do it again I'd probably been a little bit more disciplined and maybe would have stuck to my guns a little bit more because I, I was a pretty good athlete growing up and you know like most of us you become ex-athletes pretty quickly discipline's obviously important what's some other things for someone that's watching maybe just getting started their you know college sports career some advice you'd have for them well I, I, I you know what again if I had to do it again I've got two children they're 23 and 22 and and I tell them and my nieces and nephews and, you know, go to school, follow your dreams, but remember why you're there. And, and, and again, if I had to do it again, I think I would have been a little bit more diligent. I would have been a little bit more focused. I probably, probably would have been a little bit more successful both on and off the field. But again, when you're a kid, you're going to college, you're going to have a great time. And, you know, sometimes the uh, distractions get in the way. But it's, it's an opportunity, again, it's part of my DNA, it's part of who I am, and, you know, you can't change the past. So you've got to just take from the past, and, you know, hopefully you've done some good things going forward. What's some tough experiences you, you faced early on through you know, high school and college? What's some experiences you can look back on that was a tough time that you, a challenge you faced? Well, I, I think for a young person, uh, you know, we, we're all challenged with so many different things. Um, you know, when I was away at boarding school, so I moved out of the, the house when I was 14, uh, went to a school up in Connecticut, so I was on my own. Uh, that was a challenge by itself because you got to learn to be responsible. You know, you're, you're the deans and so forth are going to take care of you only so much, but, you know, you're doing your laundry. You're, you're trying to organize your schedule to be as efficient as possible. You know, I had to juggle academics and athletics, uh, which was a challenge. Um, but I, I think it's, it's part of growing up. And I think the challenge of growing up and being mature, as you can be as a young kid, um, and, and making right decisions. You know, I think that's, that's a big challenge, too, is making right. We're all going to make bad decisions. It's just we hope you don't make bad ones. But if you make bad ones, you've got to learn from the bad ones and, and take the good from the bad. Absolutely. So right after college, what was the next step for you? So, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to pursue the sports marketing world. Mm -hmm. um, I actually got interested in this business. I was just going to ask, when's the first time you got really interested in doing that? Yeah, so I, you know, another thing I did as a kid, not in school, but I grew up sailing. Uh, so I did a lot of competitive racing uh, mm -hmm. in the Long Island Sound. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to be on the water and to, to, to learn what that's all about. So that's kind of another activity I did growing up. 
when we lost the America's Cup in the early 80s, you know, I'm one of these, these nerds that was watching it on live on ESPN from Australia. And I'm noticing at the time that all of a sudden all this com uh, commercial spinnakers and sales and signage, kind of what we see today in baseball mm -hmm. and in football. I mean, you're seeing hockey. I mean, you're seeing signage, commercial signage everywhere. And it dawned on me, really, like, first of all, why is this going on? I mean, this was an old Corinthian sport. It was a sport that you wouldn't see anything other than the sailmaker, perhaps, and a sail number. But it was, again, back to our discussion, it was a way for commercial entities to take their brand and to utilize sport to help deliver a message. Mm -hmm. So depending on the demographics of whatever sport or whatever activity, whether it's the arts, the theater, or sport itself, you know, companies are aligning themselves with certain activities, and they're doing it as a way to, to basically transcend their message into a demographic audience. So, again, I get out of school, my buddies went to Wall Street, and I just banged on a lot of doors. I also pursued the broadcasting business, the production business, interviewed with CBS and NBC, ESPN, as you know, it just gotten started in the early 80s. Um, so, and I was fortunate. Uh, you know, I, I banged on a lot of doors, and and a door opened as an intern. I was just literally right out of school, and, and I worked uh, on a PGA Tour event, uh, basically hmm. you know, banging stakes and putting up ropes and helping put up bleachers and doing whatever I needed to do. Wow, so obviously fascinated to hear from, from that to where you are today, so we'll slowly walk in between that time frame. Well, it, it's been 31, two years now. Um, you know, we have a lot of interns uh, that we hire, and uh, that we hire as interns, and you know, in business, as you well know, because you built a fantastic brand with Fit Team and a fantastic company, if you find someone good, you don't want to let them go. Mm -hmm. So you find a good male or female, doesn't obviously doesn't matter, you want to create an opportunity for that person. So I think an internship is a critical period of young people's lives. And while I understand that it doesn't pay what people are wanting to pay, it gets you experience. And if I can get in the door as a young person or someone can get in my door as a young person and work their tail off, um, and then work themselves uh, into a job, it's, it's phenomenal. And that's kind of what I did is I, I just worked hard. Uh, I love what I did. I love the game of golf. So I was in the industry. I was, you know, literally banging stakes and putting up ropes and, um, you know, helping people with walkie-talkies, getting to know the players. And, you know, I just figured if I outworked the next person, then, you know, I might have a little bit more opportunity to get a full-time career. And, and that's what I did. So I ended up working for company called ProServe uh, as an intern um, in the mid-80s, 87 when I got out of college and uh, worked myself into a, you know, an entry-level job and got into the player representation business. So I represented players from really 88 onwards, represented players like Hale Irwin and Lee Jansen and Duffy Waldorf and, you know, a number, number of guys um, and then went from ProServe. Uh, again, Donald Dell started ProServe in 69. He was kind of the secondary guy behind Mark McCormick. He, he was a tennis player, so he started the company representing Stan Smith and Arthur Ashe, whereas Mark McCormick represented Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, and Jack Nicklaus in the early 60s. So Donald did it in tennis, but I was a golf guy. So I was a, the lone golf guy in his company, uh, running events, and then, as I mentioned, representing some players as well. So it, it's been marvelous, and you know, I, I've touched really all, all sides of this great sports marketing industry. It's been fun. So how did you go from intern to you know beginning to do that like what was the when did you decide you're gonna go off and you know do that or? well so you know 
as a young kid, you're looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had an opportunity. Again, I played golf, so I knew some of the right. players. And um, a young, my first two clients were Lee Jansen, uh, two-time U.S. Open champion, now on the Champions Tour, and Kirk Triplett. And Kirk graduated from University of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, as, with a civil engineering degree, ironically. And they used to say, and it's a great line, a buddy of mine used to say, well, Lee Jansen is the guy that reads books with pictures, and Kirk Triplett reads books without pictures. Um, because of his civil engineer, brilliant guy. And they're both brilliant people, good people. So I started representing them, and we did all their endorsement deals, and then I parlayed that into other players. Um, and, it, you know, the peak of my career probably represented about 20, 22 players, uh, including, you know, Hale Irwin and other multiple major mm -hmm. winners over the years. And that took me from, call it 88, to um, really through... Um, well, through the early 2000s, but, but I left D.C. and I was hired by Jack Nicholas to come down here in Florida in 94 to run what at the time was Golden Bear Sports Management. So Jack left IMG. Jack started his own business, but he also wanted to get into the management business of athletes because, and I think for the right reasons, his company was built around representing him, hmm. and he's the greatest player of all time. So if the company is there, created, and has the foundation to represent the greatest player of all time, has all the relationships with the corporate markets, tournaments around the world, what a nice extension for that company to get into the representation of other professional golfers. So that's really, he brought me in to, to run that, and I did that for a few years before I started my own business. Love to hear about, obviously, getting your very first client, Lee, I think. Lee Jansen. Lee, yeah. How, yeah. just how that felt. And then, you know, obviously being uh, hired by Jack. So yeah. it's two, obviously, two amazing things. So. Well, right. And, and, you know, one of, the, one of the, 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 I don't want to call it a difficult decision, Chris, but I love D.C., I love Washington. I grew up in New York. We're living in D.C. now from the mid-'80s to 94. I didn't want to leave Washington. I mean, Washington is such a great town. And um, But Jack had called, and I'm in the golf business. So when Jack mm -hmm. Nicholas or Arnold Palmer call, I mean, am I really not going to mm -hmm. make a jump? But it took a couple convincing discussions, believe it or not. Uh, mm -hmm. So I went from, on one end, hiring, not hiring, representing, you know, Rookie of the Year, Lee Jansen, to uh, working closely with the greatest of all time, right. and you know the 18 major winner Jack Nicholas, uh, it was it was phenomenal, and the the ability to recruit young players underneath his umbrella was phenomenal because people hear about the Golden Bear, and if you're mm -hmm. a young star, it's kind of like today what we're seeing with Tiger is mm -hmm. all these young stars like Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and you know a lot of the guys you have under contract. Um, so these guys put Tiger up on that pedestal like they put Jack up on a pedestal. So, you know, when you're going in there with a calling card with the Golden Bear, um, it, it was it was really neat. But it was also fun was it taught me all about different deals. It taught me to get creative. You know, Jack was representing millions of, not millions, many companies for millions of dollars mm -hmm. in endorsement deals. When, you know, at the time, Lee Jansen, if we did a $10,000 <laughs> deal, Chris, it was, you know, it was a grand slam. Sure. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun and you know Jack ended up going public uh, in 1996 uh, Golden Bear went public the call letters were Jack you know mm -hmm. on the NASDAQ of course and it was time for me to move on um, you know the public going public is a tough a tough row uh, you know tough row um, for a lot of companies and uh, that's when I started my own business so you know I, I took my entrepreneurial roots you know getting into this crazy business working for companies mm -hmm. but then I, I really wanted to go out and start my own business and to see what I could do so in in 1996 I left Golden Bear and started what is what was then International Golf Partners 
which was purely a sports agency. So I represented players, uh, did some events, did some consulting. And I grew that, you know, in 96, uh, probably, oh goodness, I sold to IMG in 2013. So I, you know, I ran the business for, you know, 17 years, um, grew it up to 40 employees. So it was, you know, for me, it was, it was a big apple. I had to, uh, you know, bite off uh, every year from a salary standpoint. Uh, but I diversified from players to the event business. I bought a couple event companies along the way. I had a consulting arm, uh, primarily in golf. We did get into some broadcasting. Mm -hmm. uh, I put a couple players today, Brandle Chambly that was on the tour, he was a client. I put him into broadcasting. Uh, Mark Lai was one of the first um, commentators on the Golf Channel. Uh, we did his original deal. John McGinnis is in broadcasting. Charlie Reimer is with the Golf Channel. So these are all golfers that were retiring and looking for another career. So we, we found that career. I also represented you know, one of my all-time favorites who recently passed away, Jack Whitaker. Uh, Jack was a true icon in the, in the, in the game of sport uh, broadcasting. And, you know, he's up there with Vin Scully and Kurt Gowdy and, you know, some of the great legends of the game. And, and representing, you know, icons like that was, was a lot of fun. So getting started, let's go back to, you know, was it 95, I think it was? We were on there. Yeah, when you yeah. Talk about some of the challenges, those the first year or two, because anytime you get started on anything, there's obviously some difficulty and some well, struggle. Well, there, there is. I mean, you're, 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 you're leaving the nest. I mean, when I was leaving Golden Bear, you know, Jack didn't want me to go. He goes, well, why are you leaving? I said, well, Jack, look, you're going public. The player business is a difficult business from a financial standpoint to kind of work on quarterly earnings. You know, it's all about quarterly earnings when you're going public. Um, you know, the event business, Executive Sports, was a good firm as well. But I just thought, you know, Chris, at the time, if I'm going to do this, you know, let's give it a shot. I think I was 32 years old at the time in, the, in 96, so I, I jumped out. Now, you know, to Jack's credit, he financed my, my initial um, loan, which was great. So I didn't have to try to f dig up money or go beg for you know, my parents to help support me. And you know, so he, he lent me the money to get started and, and I paid him back. And uh, one great story, when I paid him back, he essentially looked at me and he said, what's this? And I said, well, this is the advance that you gave me to start my business. And he looked at me and he goes, I never thought you'd pay me back. I said, well, Jack, I gave you my word I would pay you back and I was brought up the right way. If I give my word and I can do it, I'm going to do it. So I wrote him a check for what he, uh, he loaned me, and it was funny. He goes, no one else has ever paid me back. So, <laughs> But it's, you know what, it's, it's all about going through life. We only sure. have uh, one opportunity to go through life, so you want to do it the right way. Right. No, that's awesome. That's a great story. And um, So I think we brought, you brought us up to 2012 or 13. So, yeah, so I represented players, bought event companies. Mm -hmm. well, another great story was, so my first internship, was with a company called Executive Sports, right while it was right before ProServe in 87. So I ended up buying Executive Sports from Jack in 2000. So I left Jack in 96. I bought Executive Sports from him. So it was kind of cool. I bought the company that I was an intern at. Oh, wow. And it was like a little David and the Goliath story a little bit, but Jack was downsizing. He was looking for partners. He didn't want to just sell his entities. He had multiple entities and he was kind of downsizing. He didn't want it to sell to anybody, um, but when I heard he was he was looking to liquidate a few things, I approached him, and that was that was really cool. And that was 2000. Then I ran that company. We managed goodness. We were involved with probably 20 odd PGA Tour events at any one time, from operations to providing volunteers to of course running full events like the Honda Classic, like we do now, and um, it was it was fun. 
Um, but you know, with anything in life, Chris, you're going through ups and downs. We, you know, we, we, we got 9-11, right, in 2001. You know, that set the industry back a little bit. We had another recession in 2008-9-10, which set the recession back. And, you know, while we don't anticipate companies to make cuts, look, when, when earnings are down, you've got to make tough decisions. And uh, on one hand, in a recession, certain industries should, frankly, be spending more because it's an opportunity to, to uh, you know, command additional attention and an opportunity to, to grow your consumer base. But it's also, you know, a time, unfortunately, where people cut back. So I ended up spinning off executive sports to a buddy of mine that ran it for me. Uh, and he's still running it today, which is great. Um, but at the time, I picked up the Honda Classic in 2006. So that was really my next big opportunity. So the PGA Tour came to me really in 2005 and um, basically said, look, Honda is in our backyard up here in Palm Beach Gardens. We're going to make a change. Honda, Honda needs to have some new blood. You know, the way the PGA Tour works is every event is a 501c3. So I don't own the event. I, I have a management company that runs the event for our foundation, for our board. So the PGA Tour essentially said, look, we're going we're gonna to start a new foundation. And if you have any ideas, let me know. And I said, I've got the only idea. Let's bring in Jack and Barbara Nicholas. Let's bring in their foundation, the Nicholas Children's Healthcare Foundation. Let's make them the beneficiary and the host organization for the Honda Classic from 2006, really first event was 2007, to what is today our 14th event uh, going forward. It's, it's going to be Honda's 38th event as the title sponsor. Wow. So I brought in Jack and Barbara. We created a separate organization called Children's Healthcare Charity, Inc., which was the pass-through vehicle that we used from the event to then give money to Nicholas Children's and to, frankly, over 100 other local children's-related charities. So, you know, we, we sat in front of Honda in 06. Um, we had to convince them that we had new ideas, that I had new ideas. You know, one was Jack and Barber. Perfect, right? It's hard to get better than the, mm -hmm. the Nicholas family in the game of golf. Uh, you know, Arnold Palmer would be the, really the only other one in terms of at that level. And, um, and then uh, we, we essentially said to Honda, look, trust me, because what we're going to market is going back to my marketing roots. We've mm -hmm. got to create something different for this tournament. If it's just another golf tournament, mm -hmm. just another golf tournament. The world we're in is in the entertainment space. I mean, that's why we're sitting here today. It's all about communicating different ideas and thoughts mm -hmm. to, to potential customers um, and prospects. So for me, it was how do we create an event that is more than a golf tournament? How do we take the Honda Classic, which is a good event with a loyal sponsor, but how do we make it better? How do we take it from 40,000 spectators raising $400,000 a year to this past year raising $5.1 million for charity with 200 plus thousand spectators? You do it through the entertainment space. We're doing it through so many different, you know, the PGA Tour, the players, the best in the world, they're going to take care of themselves inside the ropes. It's, it's the creativity outside the ropes that I think is paramount and is critical to business today. If companies aren't thinking about doing things outside the ropes, doing things a little bit differently, and ways to get your brand exposed and get your brand out there, you're going backwards. So every year we've been so fortunate. You've been a great partner, are a great partner of the Honda Classic. Um, and we'll get into our other great partnership here in a little bit. But, um, you know, it, it's about just getting great people that believe in what you're doing. And as we say, the four wheels of the car, they've got to be running in the same direction. So we cater to kids, families, of course, philanthropy, 
you know, putting on a great show. It's probably the place to be end of February, early March in Palm Beach County. You know, businesses, again, 200 plus thousand people are coming out there. So, you know, I'm thrilled with the growth that we've had uh, over the last 13 years. It's, it's truly been phenomenal. We're extremely fortunate. The PGA Tour, the best practices, the accolades we've received from the community and from people like yourself, our great partners and sponsors, has been phenomenal. It is, it's only getting better. It is absolutely phenomenal. For those that may have missed it, Talk about the first year to now, those numbers once again. Cause, yeah, so our, yeah. For, uh, our, first, our first full year was 2007, so mm -hmm. we had about 60,000 people. So the 2006 event had 40,000 people through the gates for the whole week. Wow. Our first event was about 60,000. The 06 event raised 400,000. We raised, I think it was 750 in the first year, so we almost doubled the first year. And we didn't know what we had. You know, we had a tail by the, you know, a tiger by the tail, and we're trying to figure it out. And like most businesses, right? You got to do things the right way, but you, it's a learning curve all the way around. Um, to so we went from essentially our first year, sixty thousand people, seven hundred fifty thousand contributions, to two hundred plus thousand spectators, to five point one million dollars to charity. So it's been a it's a, been a nice upward growth model. Um, you know, we got hurt a little bit in the recession, uh, to be expected, but that was the only year we took a blip backwards, and that was the year, ironically the year we had the big storm out there at PGA National. Oh, absolutely phenomenal. So let's get into a little bit about the marathon. Yeah, so, you know, here we are. We're in the event space. I've, mm -hmm. I've been doing this for so many years, and, you know, when you and I met, um, I, I, being an entrepreneur, the, the Palm Beaches Marathon was started in 2004 and the Chamber of Commerce started it, and they had sold it off to a couple sports marketing companies, frankly, that, that didn't give it the attention they should have uh, for various reasons, but the Chamber ended up taking it back, and, and, uh, and I bought it. And I just said, look, I'm in the market, I'm local, you know, I'm doing, I've got a $20 million event currently that I'm doing in market, so this is a natural for us. Uh, Palm Beach County deserves, it deserves the best. I mean, we live in the best place on the planet, in my opinion. Um, why not why not take over the marathon and find the right partners to make it work the people that have similar vision and of course it's called the 15 Palm Beaches Marathon for a reason we've got a great presenter in Jupiter Medical Center as you know but if it wasn't for you guys believing in our vision uh, going forward you know we wouldn't be where we are today because it takes sponsorships it takes commitments um, you know it's a business that you know like a lot of businesses it takes a little while to get going I mean you know it took the Honda you know, now 13 years to get the five million in charity contributions, but it's an exceptional property. It's one of the really three blue chip properties in Palm Beach County. One being, if I can say, the Honda Classic. Mm -hmm. Two being the Fit Team Palm Beaches Marathon, and three really look what we're doing with Major League Baseball. And you're mm -hmm. a big proponent of Major League Baseball with spring training. So, you know, you've got an enormous economic engine with the Honda. You've got an enormous economic engine with the Fit Team Palm Beaches Marathon, and of course with, you know, what we're doing here with four Major League teams mm -hmm. now, two in the World Series. Right at the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches is phenomenal. So, you know, you've got your brand everywhere. You're on two of the, uh, you're on top of title, two of the three marquee properties. And of course, you're a great partner of the Honda Classic. So, you know, you guys are doing such a great job. I know this is your headquarters, but you're, you're, you're putting your, you know, money where your mouth is and you're giving back to this great community. And you guys are making a, a hell of a difference. And again, look what's going on now. I mean, it, we've got two World Series teams that call home the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches. And it, it's just a marvelous thing. So that coupled with the 15 Palm Beaches Marathon, which is going to kick off in year three of our partnership on December 8th. It's just, you know, it, it's growing. We're doing well. It's absolutely uh, incredible times for Fit Team in, in obviously the county and 
I'm excited for everything going on with us, but also I wanted to thank you for um, the partnerships and everything that you've yeah. been able to do for us. We really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough, and congrats on everything you've done. And, and I think more importantly, Chris, the way you and your team give back to this community. I mean, yeah, you're building a hell of a business, but you're not taking your eye off the ball about how important it is to also take care of your community along the way. So thank you, pal. Thank you so much.